This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer. When one considers the meaning of life, it is a struggle between alternative viewpoints of life itself. A free-for-all Friday. And without the ability to defend one's own viewpoint against other, perhaps more aggressive ideologies, then reasonableness and moderation could quite simply disappear. Name your topic and be as deep as you like, as long as there's a point in there somewhere. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this free-for-all Friday. Uh, it's up to you what you want to talk about. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. So what do you think about the election outcome? Kind of like deja vu all over again. So should Justin Trudeau be held to account for calling a $612 million election in the middle of a pandemic because he thought at the time he could get a majority, but clearly he couldn't. And now the knives are already out for Aaron O'Toole. Uh, he was said to be doing pretty well, 119 seats, which is about the same as they had before. Uh, but there are people who uh, want to take him down, presumably also because he took the party to the center. What do you think about that? We've already talked about Annami Paul. Boy, you know, when she said that she had to step over lots of broken glass to get where she was, she uh, that was not an overstatement. That was not an overstatement at all. So again, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And let's go to Ike in Scarborough. Hello, Ike. How you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm good. Uh, first of all, I'm a cab driver. There's a lady in my cab who appreciates your oh, beautiful thank job. You. Thank you very much. Yeah, listen, about what I call is, uh, if about three months ago, I know somebody who was deported to back to Africa because he came here as a refugee. He went through everything, uh, humanitarian grounds, everything. He was still denied. And then he was deported. Mm -hmm. Now, when they issued the deportation order, it took about three months. He was sent home. Now, if this system is so powerful, why this guy, the Nazi guy, stayed 26 good years appealing, appealing to Supreme Court, whatever it is? So I look at it this way. If you have money, you can fight the system. But if you're poor enough, you got to go back where you come from. Uh, this, is, this is my problem I have. I know he got good lawyers. He got everything. Now, he has been on deportation for how many governments? Probably from uh, Moroni government. Uh, who, how many? About 26 is about five different governments. Yep. None of this government was able to use the power of Canadian government to deport this man. And he has been playing the game. So, my question is, what is the government power when it comes for immigration? Thank you. 
Thank you, Ike, for that. Uh, Ike, uh, I, I think that you you hit it there. He was able to hire good lawyers and to game the system. And uh, that really shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. And if you're poor, like Ike's cousin, um, you don't get 26 years before you're sent packing to where it is that you came from. Let's go to Julius in Scarborough. Hi, Julius. Oh, good afternoon, Ms. Heimer. I just want to mention briefly about the election. In the last two elections, we've had the Conservative Party get more popular vote than the Liberals. And I notice in the paper that 50, only 56% of the population voted. Mm-hmm. So now we have a prime minister who basically the country didn't vote for. And I wonder if this bothers other Canadians because it bothers me. Well, he has the least amount of electoral support in Canadian history. That's my point. But uh, they all get elected kind of with uh, 37, 38 percent. Yeah, and mainly because of the uh, liberal seats in the GTA Toronto area. Right. Well, yeah, um, largely because of that. Yeah, it's uh, it what they call it the... It bothers me, Ms. Nyra. It bothers a lot of people. Well, can't we do a little change here and there or do some adjusting? Well, I, mean, two I times am not. The conservatives won the popular vote. I am not a fan of proportional representation, but uh, back in 2015, when uh, Trudeau was a bright-eyed, yes. uh, optimistic uh, young thing, he promised electoral reform. And uh, I guess as soon as they figured out that that wouldn't help the liberals, the, they ditched that. My words, exactly. Right. Well, that was all I wanted to say today. So I'm Julius signing off. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Julius. Rachel in Brampton. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Livy. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. I I really wanted to comment about the election. I mean, I'm glad it's over, but um, I'm not a conservative by any means. But I really, I don't understand why they want to get rid of uh, O'Toole. I mean, he have a good idea being in the center. I mean, because the reason that conservatives, they're not winning is because uh, society is changing, right? A lot of people don't have conservative ideas anymore. There, a lot of people are in the middle, you know. Many things, right? So, I, I would, I would keep him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, the conservatives, first of all, have they have a history of tearing themselves apart. But there is a, a big ideological divide. Um, so there, there is an issue that's partly legitimate was that when he campaigned for being liberal, he was more on the right. So uh, I can see why people maybe are a little annoyed about that. But now there's a, there's a a big kind of internal squabble. You have people who want to get rid of him because he's not that conservative or conservative enough. And you have people who want to keep him, who say he did a good job. And that includes uh, another very controversial figure. The former Ontario Premier Mike Harris wrote an editorial saying, keep Aaron O'Toole. But you know what? Uh, Like I said, society is changing and uh, a lot of people are in the middle, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So if they want to win, especially in Ontario, they really have to change. And they can't be really conservative and expect people to vote for them. That's my two cents. <laughs> okay, Rachel, thanks for that. There are a lot of people who agree with that. Uh, but um, 
there are other people in that party who say, hey, no, you have to be true blue conservative. And then there are people who are conservative fiscally, but they're liberal socially. Then there are social conservatives. There are all uh, kinds of permutations of it. And um, they're, they're headed for a big fight. What can I say? Let me give the numbers out again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And if you were a conservative voter, were you disappointed? Do you think the leader did a good job or do you think you should get rid of him? And what do you think of Justin Trudeau? You know, he keeps saying a win is a win, but he didn't get anywhere with all of this. Uh, Should he pay a consequence. What do you think of that? Okay, we go to Mattis in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Hello. Hi, lady. Thanks for taking my call. I've been trying for three weeks to get this across. Uh, I believe the governor general has the power to accept the prime minister's request to call an election or to refuse it. And I think the uh, governor general also has the power to, uh, if, I, she, if the governor general sees a parliament that is totally ineffective, to call an election themselves. So I, I, and so I think the governor general has to be aware of what's going on in parliament. The parties were, they were, they were getting things done. The NTP, NDP was uh, supporting the Liberals, and if politicians, I'm, I'm naive, I'm realistic, but, but naive enough on this, if politicians were true to their uh, electorate and to the country, they would vote on a policy from another party if it was beneficial to the country. So I, I think the governor general has had a, a role in calling the election. The governor general could have said no. Well, the, the um, NDP actually asked the governor general, who was newly appointed, to say no. I mean, the, the, the bottom line on that is, yes, they have powers, but it's it's a largely ceremonial role, um, sort of theoretically or more or on paper appointed by the Queen. And I think any governor general would be very reluctant to impose themselves because, uh, you know, it's not like they're democratically elected either. But you're right. Constitutionally, they do have uh, they do have some prerogatives. Mattis, thanks for your call. OK, Um where are we at? The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And regarding that last call, I have to say the, the NDP did ask the governor to turn down Trudeau's request. I thought that was a, a real stretch when I saw it. I thought that was pretty strange. Let's take a call from Sita in Mississauga. Hello, Sita. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Great show. Thank um, you. <laughs> yes, I'd like to touch on a few topics quickly. It's ridiculous that servers and instructors don't have to be vaccinated, but customers have to be. The Supreme Court need to make a lot of changes to too many old laws. Too slow. 20 years and they can't deport a work 
criminal. And it would be a start for Ming if she pleaded guilty. But anyway, I want to touch the topic on 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 our election. <laughs> oh gosh, I hope we will stop talking about this eventually. Um, it uh, an unwanted, most expensive, unnecessary, and selfish election in Can- Canadian history by our prime minister. He ended up right where he started from. Nothing new. The Canadian people and the NDP people came out as a winner. Because we sent a clear message to Trudeau, get back to work. Didn't stop thinking of yourself. It's all about the people and the country. Was he punished for calling this election during a pandemic and a promise not kept? Yes, he was. He was after a majority and won it full control. So Canadian did a, they did a, they, their jury and speak up which is great. And the only person to stop the prime minister and us heading to the poll again in 18 months is the governor general. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Sita. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing I disagree with there is that he was punished. I don't think it, the question is, will he be punished? I don't think he's being punished. He's, he's back in power and, and the way he governs, he controls things very tightly. He's a little more in the driver's seat because of the breakdown uh, between the NDP and the bloc. Uh, so if uh, the NDP is giving him too much trouble, he can deal with the block. So there you go. I don't think he's been punished, but he may be. He may be. Dennis in Brampton. Hello, Dennis. Hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. So I'm, I'm on about the election. Now, with respect to the election itself, I, I'm recalling our own Zoomers uh, squad, we're talking about the need for a strong mandate in order to get what we need to get done in long-term care, right off the bat, national standards. So in some respects, uh, a majority government might have benefited uh, that cause. And the fact is that, and you've just talked about it, is that the Liberals have gone back in. I believe the mandate is stronger given the breakdown of the seat. They did win more seats than they had at the break, and uh, despite the popular vote. And I'm I'm not unhappy with the uh, outcome of the election overall because there were priorities I believe needed to be addressed uh, that are going to be addressed. Well, uh, you think? I mean, they have promised many, many things, and uh, some of them dating back to that first election that he won that are nowhere near uh, the top of the agenda, let's put it that way. And even before the election, that 500 bucks for people over 75, well, it was promised in 2019, and they got it a few days before the election call. And if that's not cynical, I don't know what is. Well, right off the crack, um, the daycare program, if it had gone by the wayside this time, it was likely never going to happen. And so I believe that's going to go forward. In fact, there, I see Ontario is now talking about signing on. With respect to vaccine mandates, that is going to happen uh, on federally regulated industries. And I'm pleased about that as well. So there are some positive outcomes of this election that I think uh, we, we will all benefit from. Okay, Dennis, thank you for that. You're welcome. Have a good week. You too. Uh, let's hear from Tom in Mississauga. Hello, Tom. Hey, Libby. Yeah, 
I'll tell you, in my family, my 82-year-old mother never voted this time. First time in her life she came to Canada from England in 1959. She probably would have voted conservative if she had a, a decent leader. And then I was shocked with my son because he would have voted PPC in our riding, but there was no PPC guy. He said, oh, there's no PPC guy. I go, well, who did you vote for then? He goes, oh, I voted for NDP. And NDP, he goes, yeah, I can't stand O'Toole. And, and myself, I voted for conservative. I'm generally conservative. And I closed my nose as they did it because they cannot stand Trudeau. And uh, the conservatives will never win if they keep this guy O'Toole because he's, he's a two-faced. Uh, he, he, you know, when he won the leadership, all of a sudden he's pro-carbon tax and all these silly things when he should be counting the greatness of Canada and all the job and prosperity that we have. Uh, but we're closing businesses like the oil sector and everything. He's too negative, and he's a phony. Okay, well, that's your view. We heard it. Thank you, Tom. Okay, uh, let me give the numbers out again, and and people, um, pack a little bit of your patience. We will get to you, uh, but, um, you know, maybe not right the second that you call in. There are other people there. So the number is 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of your calls and your comments on the other side of it. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Snymer, a free-for-all Friday. Step up, say your piece, and we promise not to interrupt. Just be lively about it. We have a lot of listeners hanging on your every word. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday. I'm going to get right to the phones, but there's uh, another thing that I want to bring up just before I do that, and that is this situation, uh, you know, basically down the street from us in the riding of Spadina, Fort York. And that is where the guy who is elected as a liberal was disavowed by the party just a few days before the election. And uh, the election was last Monday, and the news that he had some things in his past came on the weekend, and it was on Saturday that uh, the Liberals dumped him as a candidate and said, hey, if he wins, he's going to have to sit as uh, an independent. There were sexual assault charges against him. They were dropped. So presumably he has no criminal thing. But when you sign up, when you ask to run as a candidate, uh, they're supposed to vet you. They didn't do a very good job. But also they ask you, is there anything in your past that could come back to bite you or to bite us? And uh, there are a lot of people who are saying, hey, you know, we don't even look at the candidate. We just vote for the party and we wanted to vote liberal. And now our vote is, quote, wasted because this guy is not going to sit as a liberal. So what do you think of that? I mean, I think that voters should take a little bit of care and figure out who they are voting for, not just for the party. But it did come, you know, on a Saturday, just a couple of days before on a weekend. And he said he's not stepping down. Tough luck. He will. He said he will work to earn everybody's trust. So uh, what do you think of that? And there were other cases in in my own riding of St. Paul's. 
The NDP candidate, a woman named Sydney Coles, well, after her name was printed on the ballot, uh, uh, people uncovered anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, like, you know, wild ones that she had been tweeting, which, frankly, they should have found beforehand. And then there were a lot of people. It was, you know, over, I think it was over a week before, so people had a chance. But those who voted in the advance polls, there were a lot of people who were upset, saying, I voted for this woman in an advance poll, and now this comes out. So what do you think of that situation, or is the bottom line that political parties like really need to do a better job of looking at who they have representing them? Okay, let's go to Doreen in Kingston. Hello, Doreen. Hello, Libby again. <laughs> I'm listening to your show all the time as usual. Great, thank um, you. I spoke to you some time ago when um, I have an 11-year-old grandson, and my, we wanted to know if the teacher in that class um, would have to prove that she was vaccinated. And the answer we got was that, no, it was private uh, medical information. Well, uh, we get a letter in the mail saying that the school wants the proof of my 12-year-old having been vaccinated. Well, what? If it's private information for the teachers, it's not private information for the students? Well, yeah, certainly looks like that. And, and hey, in a restaurant, I need to show a vaccine passport to go inside in a restaurant, but the, the staff person serving me doesn't have to be vaccinated. Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah. It's a different oh. policy for staff. It's the same thing. Oh, my God. What's good for the goose is not good for the gander. Exactly. Oh, my. I didn't hear that. But anyways, I, I, I thought, well, it would be uh, kind of a chuckle if it wasn't such a severe case of unfairness. Oh. You know, it, it, it can't be private medical information for the teachers, but not for, uh, you know. And I fully support having to approve because I, I could be sitting by somebody that's not vaccinated and you know, have the virus. So I, I fully support that. But well, and the other, I don't think the teachers should be exempt from that. And the other really ironic thing is that there are about nine vaccinations that, that kids and teachers need to yes. work in a school. So this is the most dangerous thing at the moment. So why is this exempt under a different policy? I mean, that that's... That's the problem I and a lot of other people have with this whole thing. It makes no sense. It's contradictory. It's just, you know, there, there's, there's not enough balance on things. Yeah. Now, when you say the employee uh, checking your um, vaccination proof uh, don't have to uh, be vaccinated, but that, that's up to the companies, right? Right. That's up to the companies. Now, the companies... Yeah are upset yeah. that so much onus is put on them. They're saying, hey, so at least the checking the customers, they can say, this isn't us, it's the government. They're still not happy yeah. about having to actually do it. But the government has not required the, their employees to be vaccinated. So it's up to each company. They have to have a policy. They have to figure it out. They have to see what yeah. it's going to do to their workforce. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be somebody like uh, at McDonald's. I had to show it yesterday when I went in. And, uh, I mean, it's a dangerous position because people lash out and they attack. And it, it's a very uh, unsafe position to, to put the uh, staff in that, that are asking people for the proof before they let them in. Yep. Doreen, thank you very yeah. much for your call.
Okay, Libby. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, there, there you go, people. Be a little patient. The person who was waiting and I was just about to take the call, well, uh, she got tired of waiting. Okay, let's go to Pat in Georgian Bay. Hello, Pat. Good afternoon, Libby. Uh, I've been concerned with this uh, recently elected liberal guy who's been tossed out of the liberal party. Uh, the case was withdrawn. So, I mean, you know, do we not have any sort of concept of justice? I mean, I mean, if you've gone to, to trial and been found not guilty, I mean, but they have when they've withdrawn it, and the, and the explanation he has given doesn't seem all that bad. I, I just find it somewhat bothering that uh, he's been convicted by the public. Well, I frankly, I, I find that bothering too, but he didn't disclose it. I mean, they have disclosure forms. They ask you, I don't know if they ask if you've ever been criminally charged. They certainly asked if you have a criminal record and they ask, is there anything that is going to be problematic if it comes out? I mean, the, 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 the old saw is, you know, if, if you don't want to read about it on the front page of the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star, <laughs> don't do it. Uh, so, uh, so that is, you know, but, but the other side of it is, yeah, the, the charge was withdrawn. So, you know, why, why are certain people presuming him guilty? But I agree with you on the, the not having uh, disclosed that he's had this issue. I mean, yeah, that's, that is very concerning and reason to drop him from the Liberal Party. But otherwise, I'm just concerned that uh, we're acting as judge and jury and, and we don't have all the facts. So. Well, I agree with you. And there was, frankly, a lot of that in the Me Too movement. It was, you know, off with your head right away. Well, and look at what's happened to this poor guy in the, you know, from the military 30 years ago. I mean, oh, you know, it's, it, you know, it's overkill. I think we've gone too far in one direction, but that's life. Um, yeah, Pat, thanks for your call. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, there is still some time left in the show. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And, uh, ooh, something strange is happening here. Um, regarding that Kevin Vong, who is now uh, not going to withdraw, he's going to go to Ottawa as an independent uh, you know, if he had had high-priced public relations advice, they would have told him to, quote, get out in front of this and disclose it before uh, some reporter found out. Uh, that wouldn't necessarily have clinched the job for him, but I'm pretty sure that's what the advice would have been. Let's go to Don in Durham. Hello, Don. Hi, how are you doing today? Fine, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. Uh, I apologize if the reception is bad. But I got this idea. Uh, it's regarding vaccine passports. Uh, you know, when you went on to, you know, look up a uh, an establishment, a restaurant, let's say, would say curbside pickup or or delivery or something like that on uh, on their site. When you when you look it up, right? Mm-hmm. So why not these companies? And I'm sure some of them are listening. Put a little, you know, a little thing on there, you know, along with curbside pickup, in store shopping. Add in vaccine passports. 
That way it gives people the chance to see that they require a vaccine passport before they go, eliminate, possibly eliminating the, the possibility of conflict. Well, yeah, I think the people who uh, who cause conflict, I think they kind of intend to cause the conflict. Yeah, yeah, those clowns I, I don't respect, but it's giving the the dignity of choice back to the people rather than causing the conflict. Okay, Don, thanks for your call. Thank you. Right. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Still a few minutes left in the show for your calls and your comments. And I've got breaking news. I'm on the New York Times website, and it says, the U.S. has reached a deal with Chinese tech executive Meng Wanzhou detained in Canada since 2018. The move to release her could ease relations with Beijing. And they, I think they mean American relations with Beijing. And it says that she will return to China in exchange for admitting some wrongdoing in a sanctions violation case. And that is from an unnamed source. Right now, being reported just a few minutes ago by the New York Times. So again, the New York Times is reporting that Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou will return to China in exchange for admitting some wrongdoing. She's been held under house arrest in Vancouver since 2018. Our two Michaels have been held in very bad conditions in Chinese prisons for more than a thousand days. Um, wondering if anyone has a comment on that. And there is absolutely nothing about their release that we can see in this agreement. So let us go to Dan in Elmwood. Hello, Dan. Good day. Yeah, the reason I was calling, uh, the Helmet over, Overland story reminded me of this. It's about a feel-good story coming out of the Second World War. A German fighter pilot named Franz Stiegler didn't shoot down a flying fortress bomber because of the fact he was so darn de- uh, so badly damaged. He actually escorted it out of German airspace, and um, at risk, if, if the Germans had found out what he did, he could have been court-martialed and faced the firing squad. Um, there's a fantastic book, book written about it. It's called A Higher Call. Okay, the yeah, people, but how is that related to a Nazi dying in his sleep? Oh, it, it's not. It, it just, it's just that, that re, it reminded me of this, and I thought I'd call in and tell people. A lot of people probably don't know about this story. It's just a fantastic feel-good story that comes out of, this, out of the Second World War. Yeah. I really, I, it's not related, but uh, at least certainly not indirectly. I mean... Yeah, I know, not, not a lot of feel-good stories in the Second World War. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Um, so um, we have this breaking news, if anyone wants to comment on it. And um, it's something that we have been preoccupied with for years. It's totally clear that the two Michaels, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, were, uh, uh, were arrested and jailed in retaliation for the fact that Mung was wanted to be extradited to the U.S., and um, we had to hold her while that was being adjudicated in the United States. 
We're kind of caught in the middle. We respect international law. And now, all this time later, this is the result. Let me give the numbers out. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. What do you think of that? Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou will return to China in exchange for admitting some wrongdoing in this case. Uh, And it had to do with applying the sanctions and banking. And uh, she's admitting wrongdoing. She has been uh, living in her Vancouver mansion. She wears an ankle bracelet or was wearing an ankle bracelet. But, you know, she had a curfew, but she was seen dining out, always uh, in fabulous designer clothes, while the two Michaels languishing, absolutely languishing in jail in China. One has already been, he's been, quote, tried and convicted. And uh, how much time will he have to serve before they ultimately let him go, if they ultimately let him go? We've talked to a lot of people about this whole situation uh, as early as this week. And they say, well, uh, basically, Canada doesn't have any power. And our response has to be, quote, nuanced. And I know that when Joe Biden got into power at first, there was hope that he would help us with this. And you never know if there's some kind of backroom something. But one thing is clear is that the Chinese to save face would not allow the two Michaels to be released as soon as she is going to be released. So once again, breaking news from the New York Times that the U.S. has reached a deal with Meng Wanzhou, she's been detained, as we all know, since 2018 in Vancouver, and she is going to return to China in exchange for admitting some wrongdoing and uh, presumably also paying a hefty fine. But I think uh, for her, that is a slap on the wrist. You're going to hear more about this in Bob's News, which is coming right up. In the meantime, uh, that is all the time we have for Fight Back for today and for this week. We'll talk again on Monday. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer, a free-for-all Friday. You're asking to hear something I don't want to say. But if I do say it, I think you ought to hear it. You got anything on your chest besides your chin, you better get it off. All right, then you asked for it. Yes, we did. So lay it on us. Free for all Friday means you set the tone. Here is Libby Snymer. Good afternoon and welcome to the one, the original Free for All Friday. As always, there's a lot to talk about. There was an election at the beginning of the week. The results seem very, very similar to what we had before this $612 million thing was called. But do you have anything to say about it? Do you even remember? I'd like to hear from people on what they think of the outcome of the election and what they think it means for us. Also this week, uh, the requirement of a vaccine passport goes into effect, which means you have to show proof of vaccination if you want to go to a restaurant or to a sporting event or to a gym. 
The irony, of course, is that you don't necessarily have to have proof of vaccination if you want to work with a frail elder population. And there are outbreaks in nursing homes killing people when they get a bout of COVID from an unvaccinated worker. We've got that. We just heard that Meng Wanzhou is going to be in court today. She will probably make a deal that will see her release, but uh, nothing on the horizon uh, about the release of the two Michaels who have spent more than a thousand days in captivity in China in terrible conditions, we understand. And I, I, I want to note something else that we learned about yesterday, and that is the death of former Nazi death squad member Helmut Oberlander. He died in his bed, surrounded by family at the age of 97. Uh, seemingly, he is the last wanted Nazi in the country. Uh, I this seems to be the way a lot of them end, and it seems to me like a cosmic injustice. Dying in his bed at 97, there were four attempts by the Canadian government to revoke his citizenship over the course of 26 years. He lied to get into this country, and the process 26 years later was still ongoing. It had been forwarded to the Immigration and Refugee Board. Really? Really? Is our system that open to abuse? I don't think that some poor Haitian or someone from somewhere else fleeing terrible conditions has 26 years before they are deported if they don't qualify. So that is something truly disappointing. He was a, a translator for the notorious Einsatzgruppen, which was responsible for the murder of more than a million Jews and people of other ethnicities. But the numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And let us get to Carol in Woodstock. Hello, Carol. Hi, Libby. I'd like to talk to you about something I learned about the election process. Um, just yesterday, I found out my mother, who is in long-term care in Toronto, her whole building did not get a chance to vote. Really? Really. What happened? Normally they have somebody in the building doing it, but we were not even informed that it wasn't going to happen in order that we could have taken her to vote. Uh, well, in a general way, uh, we knew that uh, polls in a lot of places like schools and long-term care homes weren't going to be there this time for safety reasons, but uh, they didn't tell you that uh, that they wouldn't have an opportunity to vote the same way they had before. That's terrible. I thought so, too, and it makes me wonder how many of our seniors didn't vote because of that. I don't know how many there are, in, if that happened in other buildings or if that was my mother's building was unique. But just think of the scope if all across Canada our seniors didn't get to vote. Uh, absolutely. You know, throughout the whole thing, um, I was thinking because really seniors were basically forgotten in this election campaign. And I was thinking, hey, are, are all the parties 
assuming that older people won't go out to vote because of the pandemic. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought it was a glaring omission during the whole campaign for everyone. But uh, this specific thing, I mean, I understand why they wouldn't have a poll in a nursing home in the middle of a pandemic, but not even telling family members. Wow. Well, I can see them not having a poll in the long-term care building that's open to the public, but they should have taken care of the people in the building. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for bringing that to our attention. And I don't know, maybe um, try to get in touch with your MP or with Elections Canada if if you want to see something done about it. But um, yeah, I don't know. All the news seems to be disappointing. Carolyn Woodstock, thank you so much for your call. Thanks, Libby. Bye-bye. Okay, the numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We just heard from a caller whose mother didn't get a chance to vote because there's usually a poll in her long-term care home that wasn't happening and family members were not informed so they could take someone to a different polling station. How many other people did that affect? That's a very, very interesting and disappointing thing. Uh, And if that happened to anyone else, please let us know, because uh, we do want to follow up on that. Let's go to Jeremy in Jerry in Mississauga. Hello, Jerry. Hello, maybe I just listened to that, Nadie, and... The first thing that hit my mind, why didn't they just give them the mail-in ballots like they're sending internationally? And they could have sent mail-in ballots to all the, all the homes. They could have filled up their ballot and, they could, have been, and it, they could have been counted. They didn't have to be there in person. If we can mail ballots around the world, why not to the uh, senior homes? Their, their whole system for the mail-in ballot <clears throat> was that you had to download the ballot and upload identification. So I'm assuming people frail, maybe with cognitive issues. I mean, they would have had someone to help them do it. But, you know, that's probably uh, not a bad idea, mailing them in, but then there are issues of ID. But I think think these voters were just forgotten, plain and simple. Yeah, they could have had somebody from Election Canada come there, just hand them in the ballots and come and pick them up when they're all, they're all signed and they, they could have been processed. But anyhow, what I'm really calling about is bicycles. I'm very, very, very annoyed and fed up because they are, I live off of Danforth. They are riding up and down the sidewalks. They're riding on the travel part of the road. Very few are using the actual bike lane. They're driving right through red lights like they're not even there. This morning, I was taking my son to work and at about 6 o'clock, and it was still dark. I had one bike in front of me, dark clothing, no lights on the thing. And if I didn't have my high beams on, I would have mowed them down because I didn't see them to my, until I was almost on top of them. You know, we used to have bylaws. We used to have to have fenders, lights, horns, licenses. We used to have to a $2 license plate on our thing there. If these bylaws are still on the books, then it's high time that Mayor Tory got together and started having the police enforce the rules instead of just sitting there 
and allowing them to run up and down the sidewalks and do nothing. Well, the license thing is long gone, but it's illegal for them to be on the sidewalk. I sometimes see them on the sidewalk and they don't care. (laughs) They don't care. I I often see cyclists blowing through red lights in a way that is, and stop signs, uh, in a way that's dangerous to them and, you know, dangerous to us, the drivers that have to, uh, you know, look out for their safety. I understand your frustration. And my license, my driver's license, is up for renewal on Thanksgiving Day because I was born on Monday, Thanksgiving Day. So that's when every seven years I get to celebrate it on Thanksgiving. But reading my handbook to study up for it, bicycles fall under the Motor Vehicle Act. They are considered as a a vehicle, a motorized, a non-powered motor vehicle. So they fall under the Highway Traffic Act. So it, the law is being broken, and the police are just ignoring it. Okay, Jerry, thank you for that. Let's go to Debbie in Toronto. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Libby. I'm just really upset about uh, the Oberlander case. Um, he, as you probably are aware, died very peacefully at yep. the age of 97. Um, He was in the middle of a deportation hearing at the time of his death, and Ottawa failed to deport him immediately. And um, I I think this is awful. Um, I think that um, I I know I was robbed of grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins who perished in the Holocaust, and I feel he got away with murder. Well, I I think there's probably no question that he did. it was a huge abuse of our system. The government uh, essentially stripped him of, revoked his citizenship four times, and he was able, because he had means and lawyers, to appeal it four times over 26 years. And it, it was in the middle of a, a an Immigration and Refugee Board hearing when he died. I mean, <clears throat> that's just ridiculous. As I said, I don't think that other claimants who might be coming from terrible circumstances but don't qualify, they don't get 26 years to to live comfortably while, you know, the thing is just being run through the courts. Some of the organizations have said that the rules, uh, the legal rules that give people recourse have to be changed when it comes to alleged war criminals. And, you know, of course, because of the pandemic, everything is completely backed up. So, yes, this is a travesty. Like I said, it is a cosmic injustice. Absolutely. Um, I'm just wondering what it says about our society. Um, If we don't change, it's a real stain on us. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Debbie, for your call. Let's go to Louise in Toronto. Hello, Louise. Hello, Libby. Um, I'm one of the new callers, so you'll have to ring the bell. There you go. Welcome. Thank you for calling. Thank you. I would like to know why Elizabeth May did not give up her seat to Annamie Paul, as Annamie Paul is the leader of her party. She gave up the leadership role a year ago. So why would she now not help Annamie May get elected? There's no point in running Annamie Paul in downtown Toronto, which is 
uh, almost 100% liberal ground. Well, you know, I think the the decision to run in Toronto Centre was enemy polls. She comes from there. She's lived there. She's worked there. And it was a brave decision, but too brave. And uh, with Elizabeth May, there were earlier questions that when all of this terrible treatment and nonsense was happening, why didn't she actually come out and uh, lend her support? To the new leader. She didn't Correct. even do that. So, uh, yeah. you know, draw your own conclusions. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. We have to take a break, uh, but we will take more of your calls and your comments when we come back. We're talking about the election. Uh, we were talking about um, Helmut Obernander, a former Nazi death squad member who got to die in his bed in Kitchener at the age of 97, very peacefully after evading deportation for 26 years. He lied to get into this country, of course. And uh, vaccine passports. Have you had to show your vaccine passport anywhere? Are you planning to? I know I'm going to a restaurant tomorrow night. I'll have it handy because we have to show it to get in. Uh, and what do you think of all that? Uh, let me give the numbers before we go to break. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, and we will be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.